Hey guys, welcome to this Q&A episode of Starlight as our penultimate Q&A before our season finale for season one. And with that, there will be no lore segment as there is nothing more to reveal about the world. So please kick back and enjoy as the players go ahead and dive into some of the most asked thought about and wondered questions in these lead up episodes and we hope that your mind is racing as much as ours is next month's season finale the whole entire shebang that you've been waiting for and so with that i'll hop off enjoy Hey, speedsters, and welcome to another Q&A with um, Nathan and I, who play McKenna and Atlas. Um, I play McKenna, he plays Atlas. Um, here with Starlight. Um, we've kicked the DM out of these Q&A sessions because it's way more fun without him. And unfortunately, Clive couldn't be here, but he has a few questions that he sent in, and we'll get his answers on a few questions as well. Um so we can just jump right in um, and go right. from there. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, now it's decides. Do you want to go first or me? You go first. Okay. Let's hear your question. All right, real quick. Um, this one will be for you then. What What are the thoughts? What are your thoughts on the Palladium Pact and their beliefs? Hmm. I think because McKenna comes from kind of a culty background the Pelagian Pact feels similar to that and so she's really nervous about that um, but also intrigued so there's like this nervousness around this like cult-like feel mm-hmm. um, but also this intrigue on this like new group um, she's also very nervous to be connected to the Pelagian Pact and now kind of internally connected and what that means for her. But that's kind of her high level thoughts. I think she's interested in kind of the strategic level of what's happening in the Pelagian Pact in terms of who's in charge and how that works. Um, I think she would love to get five minutes alone with, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who's running on the whole thing. Um, I have it here in my notes somewhere. <laughs> it starts with a ka. Uh, Kalik. Kalik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, Kalik, I the think burning she would, eye. Yes. She would love to get like five to 10 minutes alone with Kalik and just like figure out how he started all this and get more detail on there. Um, yeah, but it's just an interesting kind of ecosystem that they're existing in. I think she's interested to learn more, like I said, while recognizing um, that that it's very cult-like. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think, honestly, that Atlas sees it as kind of... He understands, especially because he used that uh, the Christ, Christophic shard or whatever. Um, the name <laughs> escapes me all the time. But... Um, because he used a shard, he kind of sees like some of the history or he saw some of the history on why, um, some of their beliefs are the way, are the way that they are. So I believe mm-hmm. that 
he understands like kind of where they're coming from in a sense that they're oppressed and living pretty bad lives and um, kind of want to take control of their lives in a sense or gain their own freedom um, and kind of get back at the uh, individuals who kind of put them down and mm -hmm. he understands that to a certain extent but at the same time there's certain things you just do and like there's like the do's and don'ts kind of thing um and especially after kind of being on the ship and seeing a few things uh he definitely has his doubts on their uh methods of how they're going across doing it okay feel like the natural next question then is what are the things that he's seeing that makes him have those doubts um well this, I was gonna say this kind of relates to um, a question Sam had uh, for me mm -hmm. and just for this because obviously kind of flowed into it I'll just read it out sam was wondering what is your relationship with the egg and why was alice so focused on it considering the events unfolding around him um so it kind of relates in the sense that the things that he's seeing is obviously the egg everyone's kind of noticed that he's been very um abnormally or uh, manically kind of fixated on it mm -hmm. um so alice's relationship with the egg is that it has a specific tie to his past, potentially. He obviously still has to figure some stuff out with it. But he's 90% certain that um, it's the same type of experimental weapon or biological weapon that uh, was used in the past that kind of almost kind of sparked Alice's whole kind of journey of being at Alice. Um, and he was so focused on it, even though like we were in the Palladium Pact and we had to get the Sunmaker and we had to do this and that. He was so focused on it because, kind of like I said, it was just it kind of it was sparked his whole path of being Atlas, and um, definitely hits pretty close to home with um, like him remembering it or his type of almost like as type of even. Um, just flashbacks and everything. So he's been fixated you're, on that. You're being very vague. Yeah, I, I feel like you're staying very high level, <laughs> and you're not answering the question. <laughs> besides saying something happened in the past, but I'm never gonna tell you. Yeah, I still have. Is to... that kind of where we're gonna stay <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of with that, because like I still have to keep some mystery with Alex. <sighs> I mean, I think. Yeah, I had to hold on to some type of mystery with him. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but... <laughs> but yeah, he's... If uh, you insist. But then the other things he's saying is just, like, how many, like... How many people these people have, and they're not just, like... Um, the orcs. It's just all types of people. So, it's definitely kind of a... He's not... Like... Uh, extremely like surprised because he's been a part of the a acers for so long and he's seen uprisings and things like that but just on the scale that the palladium pact is on is um just pretty crazy 
Yeah, I would agree. Okay, well, you answered one question without me asking it, so well <laughs> done there. Um, so, next question. Okay. If given the chance, what words of encouragement would you have given CISA before the test? And then I'm also curious how you felt about CISA failing the test. Like, part one of the question, words of encouragement. Part two, how your kind of emotional reaction to CISA's failure. Okay. So, because I think you were building somewhat of a, a bond with him. I think I was, even if it's a I think, distant uncle yeah, bond. I don't know 100% if as much. I mean, it's a type of bond, I'd say, but it's more the sense that Atlas kind of saw Cisa as like, because Atlas obviously doesn't want um, like children in war, in a sense. Obviously, mm-hmm. he, he believes in like training and everything like training your children in self-defense and everything else but not to put them on the front lines or having them have to be on the front lines just because they can't control the situation around them right um so a lot of that kind of held on to it and then if okay so (laughs) alice his whole plan when cisa was going to go take the test was he didn't I did not expect it's just a player too, but I did not expect that only McKenna was gonna be allowed in that room. I so because Atlas's plan was to like put his hand on Cecil's shoulder or like the back of his neck and to kind of support him and then all say like some words of encouragement like uh, but actually not really words of encouragement. He Alice was more just gonna say just say trust me and he's gonna try to Hack in because he's a synth, and Alice is like a prototype synth. He's like Alice is basically synth, but prototypeish. So he was going to try to sync with um, Cisa and attempt to just take the pain for him while he put his hand in there and try to just have Cisa stick his hand in. But because he's a synth, because of all like the it's a neural network of like. Um, a highly advanced machine, I was thinking mm-hmm. as a potential of like Atlas putting his hand on the back of his neck where it kind of like his uh, um, a brain it, uh, what is it? The um, the Neuralink. Neuralink, yeah. So he puts his hand back there and then I was going to try to just hack in or sync with it to then just take his pain like responses or his pain receptors or whatever mm. and just take the pain in so he could just pass the test. But, but that's not what happened. Yeah, that's, not, that's <laughs> definitely not what happened. Um. And so much worse happened. <laughs> but yeah, that was <sighs> the... That was kind of like the words of courage or the plan for like that whole yeah. thing. But that's yeah. D&D for you. You never know. That's the one cool thing about it though. Is like you never know what will happen. Is that the cool thing though? I think I'm it, not convinced <laughs> that's the cool thing about D&D. I feel like it's good though because it's like... You never know what's like what's like gonna happen next. Like it could be good, it could be bad. Like you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, you're up for the next question, boss. Alrighty. So um when Cl- Oh, this is for you, McKenna, obviously. When Clive started opening okay. up to eighty five, 
almost without hesitation, were you concerned that he would betray us at some point? No. And that's because he has made very clear. I feel like he has started to communicate his desire to be connected to other synths and like started to maybe not verbalize that, but it's clear that like something's off. So I think McKenna's smart enough to realize, okay, this is happening because his, his desire to be connected to sense. Um, I will say McKenna was a little thrown off by how quickly that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think like betrayal necessarily, but just was like, why can't I have that? It's almost like if you're trying to like flirt with someone and then you see them flirting with someone else and it's like, ah, why can't I have that? Um, and so I think McKenna has been trying really hard to develop these relationships with Clive and Atlas and was just bothered that like, it seemed like he was just easily building a relationship with someone else. So mm-hmm. betrayal was not the concern, but maybe jealousy um, mm-hmm. was more of a concern there. Yeah. No, Alice yeah. was jealous. Uh, not Alice was jealous. He was actually, co- yeah. I know this is for McKenna, but no, Alice was definitely concerned. Because kind of like you said, though, he opened up so quickly mm-hmm. that it almost, Alice was like, he's like, oh, what the heck? Like, <laughs> this yeah, makes no it did sense. happen so fast, didn't yeah. it? So, yeah. So, yeah, that's he, I did not expect. I actually expected him to betray. Or at least maybe not betray completely, but like be put in a position where he had to choose a side. And I yeah. was worried that he'd actually be like 50-50 on what side he chose. <laughs> Well, but if you put yourself in Clive's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. I I could understand why Clive would choose the Pelagian Pact of Rest. Um like if I remove if I'm not McKenna and I'm just listening to the story, mm-hmm. it makes sense because they seem to have answers to his past that he doesn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Um or they could help him get there maybe faster than we could because of just the resources and network that they have. Um, and so that's my, that was my, my thought too. Like if he had to choose, cause I thought that too, like if it came to a time where we all had to like choose a side, right. Whether we're with our team or the Pelagian pact, I wasn't convinced that Clive would choose the Pelagian pact or choose us because of what the Pelagian pact can offer. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, yeah. Yeah, that was my kind of mental work there. Okay, question for you. Alice is a very mission-oriented guy um, and doesn't like when missions are unfinished. And your mission for... Oh, you're delivering goods for... What's his, what's his name? Boris. Boris is not complete and nowhere near being complete. <laughs> yeah. And so if there was a deadline, which there probably was, you're probably way off that deadline. And so I'm curious how Atlas is feeling about that and his plans to make amends about that. And is that something he would be willing to like leave Clive and McKenna over? Um, or is that something that he's just like aware that it's going to be delayed? Like what is that? What does that look like? Um, for the mission for Boris, that one he would not leave the party for. Um, 
he obviously wants to do it to gain connections in a sense with the Tetsip family with the Acers. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's not worth it enough because he's still uh, a Kashin. So he's kind of not. He's not. It doesn't affect him too much with Boris or even um, Astrid's part because I had to deliver the goods with Astrid's little device. But it's not. He's not in a rush to do it. Um, right. It's kind of just like in the back of his head. The, right now, I say the like the list of priority is the egg. The Sunmaker, mm. and then all that type of stuff. But. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, Clive. Question for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're dying to know, it is apparent that Clive is no ordinary type of synth, and in fact, he might be something entirely different. Faced with the statue of the Gula, is it Gula or Gola? I think it's Gola. What are you? Or Gola. Gola. Yeah. Ooh, you said that with a fancy little, yeah, I don't little know why thing I at did the that. end. <laughs> I don't know why I did. <laughs> what are your thoughts as a player? And then what is going through Clive's head? We are super curious. As a player, I'm excited and curious. There haven't been many points in the story yet that point, point towards the nature of what Clive really uh, might be. While it, may sh it does shed a little bit of light, on his mystery, but it also opens up a lot of questions. If Clive really is a Gola, what past lives has he lived? The images in the dreams that he has, are they even related to him or to one of the many personas that he might encapsulate? How would these other lives shape his character growth moving forward? This, is, this excites me as a player because it has created a jump off point to really dive deep into what I want Clive to become. Clive himself is clouded, confused, and well, feeling a little bit lost. He's always known who he was, or at least felt like it. That's how he survived so long. But now he just doesn't know. But now he just doesn't know, and he feels even further away from finding the truth. Is he even a synth? Has he been chasing the wrong answers? At this point, he has no idea where to go or what to do. He's really starting to feel deflated. Great answer. Uh, All right, you got the next question. Yep. All right. So, question from our beautiful DM from McKenna: <laughs> How does it feel to have your likeness forever mem memorialized in the Garden of Humanity? Oh, McKenna's pumped. Um, that is something she. McKenna recognizes how rare Loxodons are at this point. Um, and so she is pumped for herself and what that means for McKenna in terms of being able to, to just have a statue of yourself. I think anyone would find that exciting mm -hmm. um, while recognizing what this means for Loxodons um, and that Loxodons are not a visual part of history all the time. And so to have that, um, as something that is clear um, and as something in the garden of humanity that she is seen as as someone who matters throughout what, it's, what it means to be alive and to have humanity. Um, and so that excites her. It excites her as well because she um, she's only like in the news, her name is remembered for negative things. And there's not very many people who would just see her and think positively. 
in a place like the Garden of Humanity, it's a positive place where she can where she can be remembered for something good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that excites her a lot too. Nice. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. One more question from Clive Sam. Okay. Or sorry, Clive Jansen. Um, Let's hear it. From McKenna. How would you have responded if Alice had killed his sparring partner? Oh, okay. Let, let's just lay out that <laughs> scene really quick. I just want to like... Before I tell you how McKenna would respond, Alice is working out. Mm-hmm. He's obviously like upset, a little flustered. That's why he's working out to try to calm down. Mm-hmm. A guy walks in. <laughs> yeah. Innocent guy. Maybe he's kind of obnoxious. Yeah. But not doing anything to be thought of like worthy of sparring to the extent that atlas pursued and then they started the atlas initiate some kind of spar which i would argue is like an ego thing well well, no 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 the guy said something to atlas i'm trying to remember exactly what he said but he said something to insult atlas and then so atlas walked up to him okay even if he said something (laughs) to insult atlas it does not (laughs) warrant the kind of response that atlas gave him Mm. because it was just it was far too far and so (laughs) mckenna courtney was shocked by it like just how they got to the duel just felt like more needed to happen before that would happen um or spar it felt like a duel not a spar (laughs) it Um, turned into one yeah and so then when it started i think mckenna put her her mother's hat on for better or for worse and was like be kind be kind boys don't (laughs) get too hurt and then when it became obvious it was being taken to what i would say is too far (laughs) um she stepped in and then atlas whipped his nasty little tail at her one and so nasty two it's massive okay (laughs) nasty little tail um and so then she was like so dumbfounded that he would just be so rude Mm. and so i think and that that like just acknowledging that moment mckenna's feelings were actually really hurt by that Mm -hmm. um and that he wouldn't like (laughs) simmer down and like talk to her um but then the fact that he like the fact that he got so close to killing this guy and just was so okay with it was just so, it was so bothersome. Um, and I think that was like, that was frustrating. Had Atlas killed him. I don't, I don't know how McKenna would have been able to like look at Atlas in the eyes and like stay in a healthy relationship companionship or whatever they have going on because she would have just been so dumbfounded that he would be okay killing someone who just walked into a gym and said some snarky remark like it takes so much more to get to that in her opinion um and so that's how she would have responded i feel like this is a really good tie-in to um isaac's question or atlas this one would be uh, tell us a little, uh, tell us a little more about Alice's state of mind in a sparring match 
with the orc in episode 43, Diplomacy Burning. Alos is not as calm as usual. Is there a chance we see more of the anger seething just below the surface? Um, I can answer that question. Yes. <laughs> okay, so now to kind of like answer in a sense why it took only that little for Atlas to get into a, a brawl in a sense. Um, was Atlas, like kind of like you said, yeah, Atlas went in there because he was had a huge amount on his mind, just had a huge flashback, the, the kind of the beginning of his life in a sense, and the beginning and end actually kind of to his life. And then this orc, who also Nathan and Atlas have the same issue. I've, I've realized that I kind of put a lot of things into Atlas. Um, is that the orc has that has that personality or that uh, demeanor of like I'm better than you for no reason. Like he, it's not like he's actually better. He just has that kind of smug, like I'm just what whatever. There's like Atlas I know has a similar thing to it, but like. Alice is just, yeah, I mean, it's a hypocritical thing. Alice is very prideful. Alice is so prideful. <laughs> and so for him to get mad at someone else for being prideful, but, I okay. mean, makes sense. So it's a, it's, a, it's that difference, though. Alice has been, like, he's gone through his th certain things, became Atlas. He, like, he's built his pride off of his accomplishments or his actions. And then with this orc, he just felt like that smug attitude. Because Alice doesn't have a smug attitude, though. He doesn't go around like he's he's prideful. He doesn't take he doesn't take crap from anybody. But he doesn't like come off as like kind of like an a hole or like a smug dude who's just like oh, I'm better than you kind of thing, walking around like strutting. Um, That's true. <laughs> but so this guy, Alice and myself, we're already irritated with this guy. And then Alice was uh, honestly, Alice, I'd say to explain his state of mind, he was honestly already in like a manic state in a sense. He just, he didn't know how to, and it doesn't help the condition Alice is in with his, like his body and everything. So it doesn't help that he saw everything, had the flashbacks. Um, definitely not as calm as usual. Um, so yeah, just the, the comments, the body language, the guy's attitude, he just, Took it upon himself to offer to fight it out. The guy wanted it. <laughs> and then, uh, was not. Okay, so is there a chance we see more of that anger seething just below the surface? I believe, honestly, yes, most likely. Alice, Alice is a very, as weird and quiet as he is, he doesn't really talk a huge amount. He is very unstable. Um, mm. But, especially now seeing what he did, but. Yeah. He honestly, though, I will give it to McKenna to make McKenna feel a little bit better. She did get through to him a little bit. Because as you know, he did not kill the orc, which he could have. He had the opportunity just to kill him. And he did not kill him. And just walked away. Was that McKenna's doing? That was partially McKenna, yes. Because Alice at that point... All right. Alice at that point was honestly... Um, and he explained it too to fans, because obviously everyone knows that Alice and McKenna are kind of not always agreeable with each other, but it's this. <laughs> Alice knew there's a lot of things on his mind, but then he, when he was getting close to killing or deciding to kill him, he kind of, obviously McKenna was worried and um, then Alice kind of like, kind of came to his senses somewhat on like, okay, he kills him. What happens next? Like we're on a ship of people. 
potentially ship of enemies <laughs> at that point if he kills him. And then also, he knew that killing him wouldn't... was There was no justice or no, like, um, moral reasoning to killing him. And Alice, mm -hmm. does, Alice does live by certain codes. Like, he doesn't... He's not just a wild man, even though he has his moments. Like, he does live by codes. So he just... It, I think McKenna just, like, kind of, like, snapped him to his senses somewhat. Or at least made him start mm -hmm. thinking about it. Um, so he wasn't just in his, like, beast manic state, in a sense, still. So... Good. Well, she'll write that in her hero's journal as something to be grateful for. <laughs> nice. That's a little plug for our sponsor, the hero's journal. You should definitely check them out. <laughs> okay. Another question for you. Okay. In the beginning of episode 42, Palladi Palladium Pact, the crew of the C2 was faced with a very difficult choice. In the moment... How did you feel about the choice to allow your vessel to be taken aboard late Talnish's dreadnought? And in retrospect, would you make the same choice? Um, well, as everyone knows, I think Alice really wanted to uh, do some very cinematic <laughs> um, things with the uh, ship battle. I wanted the whole. I wanted the whole like. Slightly Star Wars, slightly just like crazy military scene, like jumps onto one of the jets and like rips the guy out and <laughs> all that stuff. Like it was gonna be some crazy stuff, but if I, if I failed, it would have been a super dumb way of killing my own character, which would make me sad by like jumping onto a jet and missing or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, uh, I felt when we got taken aboard. I felt kind of like, like, dang, we didn't fight. But at the same time, it's like, eh, there's our, their ships are a lot more weaponized in a sense. So we're already at a disadvantage. Um, and in retrospect, would you make the same choice? Honestly, probably. Um, I, probably he would have made the same choice after, like, maybe a little bit of rustling and tussling. And then, mm -hmm. uh, the thing he did not, though, which kind of stops Alice, like Nathan, yeah, I would probably do the same choice. But Alice is because when he got on board the ship, as everyone can remember, he was forced to go on his knees <laughs> and crawl to. The, so that was a. Uh, that was definitely rough. And honestly, the I'll be honest, the only reason Alice didn't pull a typical Alice. Was one because of me as the player. I was just like, I'm literally gonna get our whole party killed. <laughs> but also, Alice is not stupid. He knew that, like, okay, there's way too many of them. Like, as much as it hurts, he'll swallow his pride and kind of like do it. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely a definitely a hit to his pride, or a definitely was not a good feeling. That makes sense. I'm actually really glad that happened for Atlas's sake because he needed to be humbled a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, Clive, question for you. Now that you are among a lot of sense and you are very much at home among them and seem very comfortable with them instead of us, what does your future look like? How are you feeling? What do things look like for Mr. Clive Jensen? 
Clive's angle remains discovering who he is. The crew of the C2 well, hasn't always been the nicest bunch, and this is the first time he's ever been somewhere where Siths are accepted, so it's easy for him to become comfortable. He also didn't have much of a choice, considering it was join the pact or die. He, Clive doesn't have time to die, though, at least not until he has his answers. He has started. He's, has not entertained the idea of leaving the crew, um, because he believes this would only hamper his quest. Uh, staying with the pack would mean that uh, he would have to put his, their needs over his own, and for him, that just doesn't make any sense. His future, well, at least for now, is to remain with the crew until he feels they are no longer helpful. Clive does think, though, that this might be a big break on discovering who he is. I mean, sure, surely a vessel full of synths, someone has to have answers, or at least be able to point him in the right direction. Maybe he can find out more about what Agola is and how they came to be. His, the biggest thing on his mind right now is how is he going to be able to convince the crew to stay with the pact long enough for him to find some answers. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Nice, okay, okay. Hmm. Alright, Atlas, you're up with the next question. Alrighty. Now that we have see um, CISA has kind of failed the test, and McKenna decided to jump in front. What do you like? What are you expecting kind of to happen now with like the party? Do you think that we're going to be involved with Calic more? Are these going to hunt us down? Are we going to get out of there? For one, are we going to get out of there? Um, McKenna jumped in front of an assassin bot. Like, what do you think is going to happen next? Hmm. Well, jumping in front of an assassin bot doesn't tend to lead to good circumstances. And so I am aware of that and the repercussions that could have in store. Um, so I'm just going to take a deep breath and hope for a positive future for McKenna. Whew. That was my very dramatic deep breath. Now, I do hope that McKenna and Atlas and Clive do get time with Calic. Um, I think that could be really informative. And I think that's where McKenna's negotiation skills could come in handy. Um, because I am imagining that Atlas won't stand a chance against Calic. Um, and so fighting won't be an option. I don't think flying away on a ship where Clive comes in handy will be an option. And so I am intrigued by McKenna's ability to negotiate with Calic and to really get time alone with him and to try to get him to not be so crazy. Um, but I doubt that. I mean, that's McKenna's like optimistic kind of point of view is like, oh, I'm going to brainwash this guy and try to get him <laughs> to not be doing what he's been doing for 20 years. With that said, Courtney is very aware that's difficult. And mm -hmm. so assuming McKenna makes it past the assassin bot um, and isn't demolished and that, then I would love the opportunity to stand with Calic. Now, if McKenna is taken down by the assassin bot, my hope would be that Sisa gets away and that Sisa would be able 
to survive and to thrive and to know that McKenna made a really valuable sacrifice for him and it was all for him and so when Cisa has a daughter down the road I hope her, I hope her name is McKenna and yeah so I, that's kind of the future that I'm seeing if McKenna lives through this assassin bot and if she dies um that would be her hope okay yes okay my last and final question okay this is the most important question. And then you can ask questions after this if you have more. But drum roll, please. <laughs> when will you roar as Alice? <laughs> and like a real roar, not like roar, but roar. All right. Um, I've been talking to Isaac a little bit about this too. Um, one, it's a little rough trying to figure out like, one is just my, obviously my own kind of personal stuff of like, if I can feel comfortable with doing it. I think I'm getting close to being able to, um, <laughs> but uh, another thing is too, obviously if I'm there in Washington with you guys, my only issue is if I roar or like yell, I don't want to like freak out your neighbors or. <laughs> oh, I like so want to freak out the neighbors. <laughs> so please roar. But then also at my house, everyone, as long as nobody's home, the neighbors home, are not an excuse. <laughs> as long as no one's home at my house, because I'll probably like bust in my room and wonder what's going on. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? If you did like a real roar and then like people came running. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm thinking too, also for like. So people have like a kind of an idea of how Alice sounds when he does roar. It's kind of like, cause I just actually, it's funny thing. Funniest thing I actually is I watched uh lion King on Disney plus just recently. <laughs> I, I don't Were know. Were you doing some research? No, I was, what I, roars? I, I, was, like... <laughs> I was watching it. <laughs> um, so I saw the lions roar and stuff and I was like, okay, that's kind of like that deep, like roar that I'm looking for. So it's kind of like, a. do you want to practice nope. right now? Nope. Are you sure? Because yeah, sure. you definitely are gonna need some voice acting <laughs> practice, and so I, we could give feedback. Oh yeah, no, I'll just do it off camera <laughs> or off voice. All right. But uh, yeah. So his roar is kind of like a mix between a lion and like a T Rex ish, because those like like that uh, people know what I'm talking about. They've seen like Jurassic Park and stuff. Um, yeah, it's a mix between like a lion and like a T Rex or like those uh. Yeah, people know what I'm saying. If they've seen Lion King and they've also seen Dragon's Park, they got it. But Okay, I'm having a really hard time envisioning what yeah. that sounds like. So yeah. I'm gonna need you to to try that out. Don't worry, I'll put a I'll 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 put a mix audio mix in there and I'll <laughs> add it. <laughs> that does not address my need to hear that. I will attempt to do it pretty soon. If the need occur uh, like if the need happens. Okay. Like, and then we're going to expect you to do it every time. Yeah. I'll probably, <laughs> for, for Isaac's sake and neighbors and everyone else, I'll probably do it at least during big events. And then on not big events, I'll try to have Isaac just slip that in. You know, <laughs> what I've done before. <laughs> You'll do it really good once. Yeah. And then I mean, like, we'll really good just... once or twice. And then 
And other times I'll just have Isaac, you know, slip that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. Okay. Any more questions on your end? Um, I believe we've kind of covered everything for the awesome. most part. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening, know that you can send in questions as well. You can send those to us on Instagram. You're welcome to email those to us. And I think the email is starlightadventures at gmail.com. Um, and then I'm just going to, con- oh, the starlightadventures at gmail.com. Um, and then, so email questions there. You're welcome to reach out over Instagram, Facebook. Um, Isaac does a great job with everything on there. Um, and everyone should know, like, Isaac is the brainchild behind this project. and yeah, does definitely. such a good job with the audio and the visuals on social media. Um, it just puts a lot of effort into this. So if you want to give him a shout, shout out, um, I'm certain he would love that as well. Um, thank you for everyone who's supporting the podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, and thanks for those of you who have just wrapped your arms around this podcast and really brought it to life. Um, like I said, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. If you love us and just want to tell us that, please feel free to leave, um, a rating or a review because that means the world to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time, Spacers. Bye. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>